Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick and this is... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? (laughs) Hello, Nick. Look at that. Ready all to go. Mic in hand. (laughs) Oh, look at that. It's awesome, (laughs) isn't it? So, Scott, where are we? What are we drinking? We are in... Our offices at WeWork in a different room this time as we do our little journey around. um, Yes, different (laughs) picture. Our little journey of art around the various rooms. It's quite quite cool around here. All these little different places you can go. Um, Yeah, so we're here. And look, um, this this week I've got this lovely 2018 Merlot from um, Gallagher Wines. You can sort of see that. On Yummy. The, maybe, yes, yes. It's, um, and uh, they're, um, the Merlots are starting to come back into fashion a bit, like proper Merlot, not just the volume sort of things they used to churn out in big casks and whatever else. This is proper bottled Merlot, done very well. Um, I was actually at this uh, at this winery on the weekend at, at Gallagher Wines. They're a little place going on um, Dog Trap Road, just outside of Canberra. Ah, Canberra. So yes. south now. We're not it's north s- south. Or no, no, this is south. South in, in near uh, Canberra. Yes, a little place called uh, Jir, J-E-I-R, Jir. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, it's like they're, they're down in one road, down another road, down a dirt road, and you sort of come down to the end, and there they are. And you know what? The, the best wineries you find are down the end of dirt road somewhere. It's funny, isn't it? I've, yeah. Some of my favourite wines, one of my favourites, and we've had one of these wines, is from Gardelman, and that's right at the end of Lovedale Road. Just you, ah, you, yes. you probably have stopped before you got there, and, mm. and we are up there recently, and it's the same. It's, it's those ones that are kind of out of the way are the ones you, you, kind, of, you kind of like and get into. So, yes, let me, let me try it anyway. Yes. Yeah. Finally, a chance to use the four-wheel drive function. <laughs> in an all-wheel drive, yes. An all-wheel drive, that's right, on a dirt road. No, was... Actually, no, we went camping once, and we definitely had to use the all-wheel drive. Ooh, so. oh, that's interesting. Uh, this mm. is lovely. So there's a, um, it's very nice. a, um, a lovely lady there, Lauren, who um, gave us uh, samplings, turned up and said, well, we're going to try all of these. Here's nine different things we're going to try. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and, uh, but there, um, they do some very nice drops there. Um, they also make cheese. Oh, I do so like cheese. A, cheese and wine cheese goes maker. very well indeed. Yes, and they, they do a nice blue and um, a nice, I've forgotten what it is now, but made little balls of it. It's very, very tasty. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yes, in the back room. Wow. Anyway, and um, yeah, so uh, they um, they are there, and uh, go along and see them if you get a chance in uh, in the outskirts of Canberra, just up the uh, it's on the A twenty five out to Barton, I think it is that way. Anyway, it's not far away, it's about you know, twenty minutes, half an hour out of Canberra. Cool. No, very nice. It's nice. I've got to say, it's a, it's a nice mellow. You, mm. you gave that a rating, but we'll we'll post that separately. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today? Well, there's been a, um, a, a lot of talk recently, and you know, part of it's come out of Google's uh, Project Zero, mm-hmm. um, just because they've put some stats out recently about uh, zero-day zero issues. So what's the zero-day issues, Scott? Yes, zero days, something that has been out in the wild for zero days, literally, as in it is a, um, an exploiter of vulnerability that has been found, um, yet it hasn't been um, patched, it hasn't been notified to the vendors to fix. Someone's got it. And they're hanging on to it. Okay, so one of these really fresh vulnerabilities. Yes. Uh, okay. Scary ones, because if the vendor doesn't know about it, then mm. we're all at risk, right? If somebody's found a vulnerability and, and 
yeah, that we could be in trouble there. It, so it, no, got it. It is. Think, think about it. If you've got a you got a house and you, you know, you've you've put you know, locks on your doors and yep. bars on your windows and all that sort of thing. Yet around the back of the house somewhere, there's a nice little you know or opening underneath the house and a little trap door going in that no one's ever told you about. And someone says, oh, you know, there's actually a little path under there that if you want to get into the house, don't worry about all the alarms and the doors and the bars and the things and the security guards. Oh, and by the way, nobody knows about it yet because we haven't told them. That's, 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 that's right. right. That's right. That sort of thing. So but There can't be many of these, right? So, so yeah, has anybody done any research? Well, this Google's Project Zero uh, is a, literally a, it's a team of people uh, whose purpose is to go and find zero-day issues mm-hmm. um, and generally announce them and tell them, the vendors about them and get them fixed. So they've just put out some stats. They found 58 in the last, well, 12 months, the 2022 stats. So it'll be for the last 12 months, um, which was double, uh, well, more just over double the year before, which was about 22 to 24, I think it was. Yeah, but I, I can get that. First of all, people are looking for them more. Yes. But secondly, we're using uh, exponentially increasing numbers of lines of code to run our software. Yes. Everything's built on. Yeah, it used to be. When I first started writing software, um, <laughs> back with the tablet and the chisel, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, but we'd write software directly to the processor. We'd write in machine yeah. language. And then we built... But boy, was it efficient. No, yeah, it, it was good. And then we had compilers that compiled code to run on in machine language, and that's still okay. But now we're building layers and layers and layers of complexity, which actually make it far more efficient to program. Mm. Uh, you can write code now that would have taken... Days and days and days, months to program is now taking minutes, right? We're getting more efficient. We've got all these layers of software underneath it, yes. and some of them are open source, uh, and open source software is everywhere, and mm. Microsoft's very open source now, as is everybody else. Some of it's not open source, and, and in a way that can be worse, because mm-hmm. um, we certainly find in our development, if you can look in the source code, you can actually find a vulnerability, and you can offer a fix to the project, mm. potentially before somebody else will, so... Yeah. Look, it is a bit of a double-edged sword, some of the open source software. One is that because the source code is freely available to be read, um, there's lots of people looking at it, and therefore lots of people could, in theory, find issues and say, oh, I'm going to fix that or I'm going to notify that. That would be nice. Well, we just had one, Log4j is the, oh, the one that springs to mind, which is fairly recent. Open source piece of software used everywhere. Mm. Used from everything from mission-critical transaction processing systems down to fridges. And they found a vulnerability in it. And Mm. millions of people had used this code. There were three people, I think, maintaining it who've been given no money. Yeah, everybody used it because it's it's open source. And the the big outcome of that was if you use an open source project, throw them a bone. Throw them some money to keep maintaining it properly. Maintaining code properly is hard. It's expensive. It is. And a fix got developed and therefore had to be rolled out into all these different vendor solutions. and Some of which you can't roll software updates to, so it's all very exciting. Yes, well, that's true too. Um, So we talked about in the wild as well. Yeah, what does in the wild mean? Well, in the wild means it is is out there being... Used. It's a system that's active. It's a something that's. It's. It's. It's not that we found something that's never been used before, and therefore the sort of risk or exposure rate is zero. These are systems out there, actively used, actively, you know, um, utilized for whatever purpose. And there's there's a risk there, right? So you've got something that's actively being used out there. There's you know there are people using it. They're at risk if somebody can make it happen. And it's funny. Yeah, you know, people yeah. say, I don't care. My fridge gets hacked. Who cares? Well, but that gives them a stepping off point into the rest of your network. Actually, you will care if your fridge gets hacked. Now, it's not that your uh, fridge is going to be told 
to keep all the food warm and to do whatever else. Um, the issue becomes, though, that the hacks for those sorts of devices are normally bits of code that get installed in the little computer in your fridge. They call home and get told what they need to do. Go attack this device. Go attack this address. And all of a sudden, they're using all your internet bandwidth to do outbound attacks. And your internet becomes slow. It becomes um, you know, heavily used. Your IP address you use gets put on all these band lists because your detected as being the cause of all these problems. And yeah. oh, it's and, it, and it's not yours at all. And that's that. Right. That brings us to a point that in modern appliances, yeah. I've, so so I'll just I've rolled back in time a little bit. I'm thinking to me it's a bit of a time machine today. <laughs> but I remember when I was a kid, the washing machine repairman came around to my grandmother's house. Okay. And she had an automatic washing machine. And when he took it apart, it was this massive clockwork mechanism, effectively, mm -hmm. which made the washing machine do things. Now, it's way cheaper now to put in a computer. Yes. Um, yeah, something like the Raspberry Pi compute modules, oh. less, less than $10. Yep. It runs a full operating system. So... It's way easier to, as, to put in a full operating system. As I said earlier, you know, you've got these layers of code that you're developing on, which makes you really efficient, but also means instead of being a clockwork mechanism, a washing machine is running several tens of millions of lines of code just to do something very simple and, and, because it's quicker and easier to do and that. And it connects to your Wi-Fi and it gets <laughs> firmware updates. And I mean, I've, I've mentioned this before, my, uh, my dishwasher's Wi-Fi connected. First thing I, uh, well, it did when I plugged it in, hooked it up, it did a firmware update. <laughs> yeah, an automated firmware update on my dishwasher. So, so this the, is great. These vulnerabilities, who uses them? Right? Yeah. I, I remember in the, the old days, you know, we used to have heaps, heaps of fun. Oh, with the very old days, I remember going into computer stores and, and writing code in BASIC on the, um, oh, the Apple yes. IIs and ZX Spectrum sitting there, which annoyed the people working there no end. But it's it's not just, you know, the, the archetypal... Matthew Broderick in War Games sitting there behind an no, MSI eighty eight hundred. God, I can't believe I can remember all of this. Right. Look, I've, it, got, I've got control yeah. of the missile. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that, but there's it's it, there's there's money in this. So there's there's there business is. and there's nation states, right? There there are, and look, the, from the hacker's point of view, if you've got a zero day, uh, knowing that generally as soon as you use it, it's going to be found out. And therefore, it ultimately, it's going to be published. The vendors are going to get told about it. They're going to patch it and fix it and close that vulnerability mm -hmm. off. You don't want to use it just to go and you know, get a carton of milk out of a store or something like that. You want to get, like, give me millions and millions of dollars or something like that. Or, like, let me go and attack a, a Bitcoin um, you know, mine or something yeah. like that with and, it. And your goal is not to be detected, right? The last thing you want is that vulnerability that, that, to be found. That's right. So, look, it, I'll, I'll say that hackers use them for specific like high value targets, mm -hmm. but also say that nation states use them and countries use them to um, in the in spycraft to go and attack adversaries or other countries uh, to get secrets or whatever else they they do. But because these things have not been found yet, if you've got a specific thing you're trying to achieve, use a zero day because you know you can actually address that vulnerability or get in there, yep. get your stuff done going to get blocked afterwards, but you've used it to achieve a certain goal. Yeah, so it's, it's funny because a lot of the hacks now, look at something like Stuxnet, which I know you're about to talk about. Yes. Um, the impact of that was really similar to what we were predicting if we hadn't patched for Y2K. It so, is a bit like that, So yes. year 2000, so for, for those of you 
My goodness, those of you who are probably in the workforce now who weren't alive for when we were doing all the preparation <laughs> for year 2000 um, was all about patching computers because we couldn't handle the date change from, from 99 to 00. Everyone had stored dates in two digits. It needed to be four. And there was a belief and some proof that an awful lot of systems would go very wrong as we crossed over yeah. the millennium. And, and I worked in that <laughs> industry at the time, and I know an awful lot of things were fixed. They, they, they were. There um, were also a bunch of things that went wrong, but the media had, but I think three minutes past midnight, the media had moved on from that issue and was saying nothing happened. And the fact that there was an African company which was out of, um, um, out of, uh, I think an African country had no power for eight months. I know the Microsoft Zoom music player fails four years later on January the 1st. There's a whole bunch of yeah. things which happened. Oh, I mean, one of the um, Asian banks had an issue with their auto-tellers. Yep. Um, th there were a few things um, in there. but And look, I was working with a um, one of the global insurance companies at the time. Yep. And um, they put me up um, at the you know, top of their building in the, in the city to they decided to have a party up there well actually it was a bit more of a new year's eve party but more of a um if anything goes wrong we want you to tell us <laughs> so that, fix it, that, yeah. because uh, as the clock goes sydney was the first office globally that was going to be over the over the uh, sure. timeline so um yes yeah, so we had to stay there until midnight but they, they put on food and drinks and all that it was very nice oh, very nice but as you know one minute past Midnight, I was on the phone back to the European headquarters and they're saying, what, is it all working? Said, yes, it's all working. <coughs> Any problems? There are no problems. Send more food, send more wine. <laughs> but, uh, it's all, no, it's all going well. So talk to me about Stuxnet, which was, what, what happened there? Okay, Stuxnet, uh, it's uh, fairly sort of commonly and well known. Um, it was an attack on uh, the um, Iranian uh, nuclear plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, where uh, it shut down a number of systems. And, of course, nuclear plants, uh, you've got to be careful because, obviously, the computers controlling uh, nuclear plants do certain very important things. Yep. Um, and if you don't keep enough cold water flowing through a nu nuclear plant, yes. it, it melts down and, and, and you get Chernobyl and well, the And this is where the threat comes from, that and, you know, someone could take over the, your machine and shut down the water supply or tell your little um, you know, devices to go and do something different to otherwise what they were told to do. So this, yeah. this is all about networks of things we call PLCs, process logic controllers, yes. which in themselves are effectively little programmable computers which control valves and yeah. all sorts of things in manufacturing plants, in power plants, et cetera, et cetera. And Stuxnet was able to hack into the networks and defect those. Uh, yeah, look, I, 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 a simple example of a programmable logic controller might be like um, an Alexa or a Philips Hue light bulb. When you say, hey, Alexa, turn the light off. There's a little chip somewhere in that bulb that gets that signal and then turns the light off or turns yep. it on and turns it and so forth. Really basic things, but remotely controlled. So there were four zero-day attacks used uh, by someone. Um, there's no, I don't think a, no one's ever stuck their hand up and said, that was us. Uh, but uh, four zero-day attacks were used to actually get into this particular um, nuclear plant systems and yep. to take control of various computers and to shut them down. Wow. Now, as it was, they they didn't cause any nuclear-related issues, um, no explosions or anything like that. But you can see that, hang on, we've gotten in and caused a critical issues in this country's power so, systems. So PLCs handle things like massive oil and gas pipelines. Yeah. You, and they're embedded. All your water supply. They're concreted and embedded into these. If you can oh, get yeah. into those and change them, you could shut off all gas and, mm. you know, yeah, for example, the gas flow from Russia to Europe or the pipelines in the US. Or oh, yes. you, you could turn those kind of things off and that would have a massive well, effect. They, the were, they were saying for us in Australia, what have we got? We've got 20 days worth of fuel 
in reserve in the country if we get no, none in remotely. You know, that's... That's not much. It's not very long, is it? So these kind of things, they're a risk. The US has got a quite a larger strategic reserve. Uh, but no, it's, uh, so the, yeah, you, you do have to protect yourself. Uh, look, in the, um, the interesting part about Stuxnet, I guess, is that uh, it, the, the same concept happened again in 2012 where the systems were actually broken into, various systems were shut down, and uh, hackers uh, played ACDC's uh, Thunderstruck very loudly out of all the computers that were there. It's nice to see they've still got a sense of humour. I think that's that's, that's hilarious. Well, they they interviewed some scientists afterwards. What happens is, we don't know, we're scientists. We just walked around, all this loud music started coming out of all the computers. (laughs) (laughs) I I worked on a project many years ago where we remotely rolled out... NT4, yeah. Windows NT4, to wow. computers um, all over the world for a big merchant bank I worked for. And um, we got a phone call from one of the... I was in London and got a phone call from one of the Asian countries, and one of the cleaners had resigned. He thought the place was haunted. We're using <laughs> Wake on Land to wake oh, up the machines and getting yes. them to deploy. And he's sweeping this trading floor, and suddenly two computers turn on. So he moves forward, and then the next two... And just by fluke, as he moved forward, yes. the computers started turning on, and he threw his broom away and left and never came back. <laughs> There you go. There, there we are. So there, there's there's a story. So yeah, we, we've got these vulnerabilities. We've got these zero days. We, we obviously understand the impact from them. Mm. Um, and I know most of the vendors are pretty good at you know disclosure and fixing them and releasing patches. But there's no regulation around that, is that? That's no. just a really voluntary. It's thing. a it's a general. There is a um, an, an unwritten. I, I was going to say unwritten law, but it's not even that strong. Um, there's this general uh, approach in the industry mm-hmm. where um, if you find a vulnerability, and it doesn't matter whether you're the vendor or you're someone just a programmer somewhere, you find a vulnerability, you would generally reach out and notify the vendor yep. or the owner of that bit of software. Hey, I, I, I found this problem in your code. Um, it looks pretty serious because I was able to break in and do blah, blah, blah. Yep. Uh, like I was able to go and turn the system off without um, logging in with the user ID and a password. I was able to break in and steal all this data or exfiltrate this data and I didn't have to authenticate or whatever the issue yep, is. Yep. Um, so the, the normal approach is that the, those, um, the, the person finding those will go and tell the vendor and they'll get a bounty for that, won't they? If it's Most, a real bug, yeah. they're, they're, and they're good bounties. They're like it depends. tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. It, so, some of the vendors don't do that. Others do have bounty programs. Mm. And yes, the bounties could be if you tell us about a bug in our code uh, and it's real and we accept it as a bug, then yes, we'll give you a bucket of money. Yep. Um, it, in some respects, it's actually cheaper than paying our team of programmers. <laughs> it's way cheaper, <laughs> way cheaper. Um, so they um, they would have something like you know, a couple of months to, to produce a fix yep. and to deploy it, at which point the bug is then made public to say, hey, this problem was found, was notified, yep. uh, and uh, was found, and um, there is a patch out, so make sure you patch for it, because as soon as you make public the fact that a vulnerability exists, hackers will be onto that within a day. Oh, yeah. Sometimes within code, an hour. Yes. Yep. Yep. Writing code to take advantage of it and to see how many people are affected. So what if they don't fix it? Well, this is the problem. Some vendors don't want to either acknowledge the fact that some random person outside the organisation found a bug in their software, which is a bit Dumb. short-sighted, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, or they don't want to admit openly that this problem exists because uh, it can be seen as, uh, well, if I can go and, say, get into your system uh, and exfiltrate data, 
well, we've got banks using our software, we've got other you know, governments using our software, we don't want them to find out that that problem exists, let's see if we can sort of quietly fix it or let's try not to tell anybody or whatever. But The public don't want that these days, though. I, no. I think there's a big, you know, we, you learn with all of these things, especially when you see them happen in the world, that the companies that survive this kind of thing are the ones who immediately get on the front foot and tell everybody. Good yeah. or bad, here's yeah, what's yeah, happened, yeah. here's what we're doing. People really respect that. Uh, open communication, trust with your market with yep. the people that are using your applications. Hey, we found a bug. This is what we're doing. Yep. Uh, and so the the ones where you see um, they don't do anything and then the uh, the discoverer of the bug then releases it to the public saying, look, I told them about this three months ago, six months ago, nine months nothing. ago. They've ignored me. I want this fixed. It's, it's clearly an issue. So I'm putting it out there. That sort of forces the issue. At which point, everybody becomes annoyed and the company ends up having to fix it anyway. Yeah, but, but now no, they're on the back foot. Nobody wants that, no. right? <laughs> but it is important that these things are disclosed and fixed as yeah, soon as possible. They are, they are. But giving um, the, the ethical disclosure of telling the vendor yep. um, and then um, the vendor fixing it, giving them a chance to actually fix it properly and to push out the security updates or make it available such that when the announcement is made, you know that, oh, this is going to affect me. Ah, look, there's a patch available. I'm going to go and sort that out. But I would say if one person's found it, probably someone else has found it too. Well, that's just it. That's where these zero days come from. If one person's found it, you've got one person who follows the path of, I'm going to notify the vendor and get the patch. The other one's going to say, I'm just I'm going, not to going to tell anyone. I'm going to, go I'm going to sit on this zero day and sell it on the dark web yep. or sell it to a government and let them worry about it. And, uh, yeah, I made my money. <laughs> cool. So um, when the vendor, yeah, they've released a patch, they're telling everybody there's an issue, they release something, don't they? How do they inform yeah. the market? What, they, what method do the, they use? The vendor usually creates um, uh, a thing called a CVE right. that records the issue. So, of course, you've got to ask, what is a CVE? I was going <laughs> to let you go there. I, I thought everybody else is sitting there going, here we go, another Scott acronym. Yes, no, no, it's, a common, it's an industry term, common vulnerability and exposure. Yep. Yeah, so there's, think of it as a big list, and they basically go and put themselves on the list and say, CVE number, you know, like 2022-whatever yep. well, it is going to be, um, has got a, um, uh, it's got a number, it's with our code, it's with affects these versions of our code, and it's fixed in these versions yeah. of our so, code. So, and there's a lot of technical detail with that, so it's not just a document. So no. we, we actually have technology that looks at all of our source code that we write, which every hour is checking it against the current list of CVEs. Y yes. And we will get told, you have to upgrade this, upgrade this, upgrade this, upgrade this in our source code, on a regular basis, and, and, and you know, half the changes to our code are updating CVEs as they come through in real time. Hmm. And so there's a um, there's an organisation called uh, MITRE Corporation in the uh, US. It's a spin-off out, um, out of MIT from yep. 1958 or so when they were looking at issues in uh, military products, I think it was. Um, they maintain the list. It's a non-profit for the industry. And, um, yeah, the, uh, there's quite a lot of, uh, lot of things on there. Cool. So obviously some vulnerabilities are going to be really scary yes. and some vulnerabilities are going to be mildly annoying and some aren't going to do anything but they're a vulnerability. Is there a scoring system like, like earthquakes? Do we yeah, have a, yeah. yeah, a it, magnitude it, 9 it, CVE? Well, it's actually pretty close to earthquakes. There is, uh, they are rated from 0 to 10. Mm -hmm. uh, 0 is, uh, look, we, we found this issue but honestly... It's just someone's going to fix it at some point. It doesn't really affect anybody, but it is an issue. Yep. Up to 10 of, this is critical, act straight away. Yeah, I know because I, know, I, I get the list across all our code base. So occasionally I'll get a, a, a critical one through. And basically, yeah. 
all hell breaks loose in our source control system. I get red <laughs> banners everywhere <laughs> telling me I can't do anything with my code till I go in and look at this and define whether it affects us. And so yeah, there's yeah. work to do with those. But at least we're on top of it. There, there is a, a, a structure to this uh, to the scoring system, and look, the, the the tens are going to be things like um, uh, a person can send a certain type of specially crafted packet to something sitting on the internet, and they get administrative access without having to authenticate, and they can do and whatever the they like. That's the ten. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So how big's the list? Right now, there's about 174,792 items on it. That's as very precise. Night, as of last night. Yes. yes. When I wow. checked. Um, yeah, it's, you can download them into a CSV file. It's 147 meg. Wow. Excel 64-bit for that one, then. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Don't use the old Exchange uh, Excel 2002. No. No. Um, so, uh, yes, and these, look, the majority of these have been fixed, long yeah. fixed. This this goes back to the early 2000s or yeah, yeah. before and stuff. So, so how do you fix them, right? We've got this list, and I'm not going to manually read the 170, I'm going to read no. it again, 174,000 <laughs> items and go, oh, have I got one of those? No, right? that's right. You've, um, so the, the generally, here's a couple of things. You're, if, if it's a Windows-related issue, yep. uh, it's probably going to get fixed in automatic updates. Right. Uh, there's very few Windows sort of issues these days of that sort of nature that require manual patching. So turn on patching, turn it on automatically. Auto update. Make it go and reboot your machine when you're told to. Yes, that's right. That's the easiest way. And look, a lot of the Windows and Macs, the same sort of thing, uh, related systems are not publicly sitting on the internet anyway. Well, no, to, to a degree, but... But even still, right? Um, my PC could be a way of getting stuff into the environment because I'm reaching out to websites. Well, that, so that's right. I could be hit by a, one of those if yeah, I had patched. Well, the, it's a two-step approach then. If you've, if your system's sitting on the internet, then anyone can try and any hacker can go and try to send data to it and see if they can get in. Yep. If you're behind a firewall, that's not going to happen. What they have to first do is get into your machine via ransomware or something. Yep. Then have control. Then try to attack. Cool. Okay. So that's how you patch. What can IT teams do to help that? Uh, well, they can keep up to date with everything and make sure that they understand here are the list of assets we have, here's all the applications that we have, and make yep. sure that those that are not auto-updating, you've got some sort of way to check using a vulnerability scanner or something that says, hey, here's what's going on. Yep. Yep. No, I, I get it. So there's that. They're obviously, things like the Essential 8, I suppose, follow those, get yep. those done. Um, Microsoft, there's a way of seeing what... Yeah, how secure you are. I think we talked about this last yeah, week. Yeah, well, in your secure score, there is actually a vulnerability um, uh, section as well yep. where you can actually go and if you've got the right type of license, um, have it do vulnerability scans in your environment, on, on your machines, and have it flag where the issues are. Okay. Okay, wow, we've got that. So, but this isn't malware. We've talked about malware before. So we've got things like ransomware and malware. They're... They can exploit vulnerabilities, but they're not necessarily exploiting you, one. So, yeah, malware is a bit of code that does something bad on your machine. Yeah. But malware has to get onto your machine to start. Right. Um, now, if I sent you an email and said, hey, your, um, your bank password has expired, click here to reset it, yep. or something like that, and you click there and you click somewhere else and eventually run some code and I manage to get on your machine, well, you click there and I say, I need administrative rights to reset your password, type your admin password here. Mm. And you do that, great, I've now got admin control and I can go and install malware on, on your machine. In that case, y you are the vulnerability. Yes. You, you are the one that, that And that's really funny because I said to my son last night, we were having a conversation over dinner, and um, we were talking about yeah, what I do at work, and I was talking about, yeah, we're going to do this wind down today. 
And, and, and I said, how would you protect? How would you hack into a system? Yes. And he doesn't, he's not into computers mm. at all. And he said, well, I'd pick up the phone. I went, what do you mean you pick up the phone? He said, I'd pick up the phone and I'd phone the person. And I said, well, what would you? He said, I'd tell them I was from IT and ask them their password. And he said, most people would tell me. Yes. And I went, oh, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so training's really important. Training. Well, well User awareness, this. training. That's high on the vulnerability list. Because sometimes it's just easier to get someone to click on a dodgy email than to actually exploit a vulnerability in yeah. firewalls or Active Directory or blah, blah, blah. But yeah. they're there. That was interesting, Scott. Zero days. Zero days. We covered that. Yeah, there just you go. make sure you patch and keep up to date, I think is the answer there. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you very much. If you do like what you hear, please leave us a like. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment if there's something you'd like us to discuss. Scott, I think all that's left to say thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. And thank you very much for listening and watching. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.